1: Thanks for coming to the show, Mukta. Let me introduce you to my audience out there. Let me talk about your story. So, Mukda Arya is the managing director, the chief human resource officer at SopGen, which is a French and bank, and uh, she is a human resource professional with twenty yeah. plus years of experience in multiple industries and location in Asia Pacific region. Starting a career with uh, Issa Group in Mumbai, India, after completing her master's in management studies, she worked in Tata E Waterhouse Securities and Tata W as a network before joining LGV and Malter as the talent hit for Mumbai Advertise in
0: She joined Subjan
1: in Mumbai as for India and has been with them for the last 60 plus years. She worked in Hong Kong as the regional head of talent development group and as head of HR for Southeast Asia for SubGen in Singapore for four years before
0: being appointed as the, the CHRO for SubGen, real well, Asia Pacific, which is now
1: Hong Kong. So she's a certified coach granted by the International Coaching Federation. She's also a global fellow in talent management by Walton University and a global talent management leader with certification in diversity and inclusion and BTI, B, expression learning, HRD, competency mapping, and development. Not only that, but what's interesting is that uh, she's a published author, four books till now, which is Walton, Thought, 3.15 PM, Music in Hong Kong, Whimsical Times, and Crisscross, A Medley of Thoughts. So thank you for coming to the show.
2: Thank you, Andrew. It's a pleasure to be here.
1: Yes, sir. So perhaps, even though as I share with the audience about your profile, it will be very interesting to hear from your own voice. In terms of, please tell us about your career journey.
2: My my career in HR actually started not by choice. What I was always wanted to be was to be a doctor. So I did my bachelor's in life sciences, and then I also started my master's in biotechnology. But then somewhere along the line, I felt that the solitary life in a laboratory maybe is not for me. So I got admission into master's of management studies, which is equivalent to MBA. I wanted to take marketing actually, but then I came across organizational psychology in one of our subjects during master's of management studies. Then it it made me really interested in human resources as a field. And then I specialized in what it was called at that time, personal management. So I shifted gears completely and then started my career in human resources, as you mentioned, in SR group. And I still love the field so much that I'm here after almost 25 years now. So this is how I shifted gears from science to actually human resources.
1: Wow. That means we have... Something in common. I also wanted to become a doctor uh, when I was young. I think the interesting circumstances was uh, my uh, was bankrupt and I had to on the shoulder of family. And uh, thereafter, I transitioned through from a biological degree to going out to get a job. Very interesting. Yeah. And so, tell us based on your current and recent experience, what are the biggest opportunities for HR leaders? In the area of digital transformation?
2: For me, digital transformation is is now a necessity in human resources. Uh, We cannot rely on manual processes. Uh, There is so much operational risk which are related to that. And also, to be agile, you do need uh, transformation. We started in, in 2010 in Asia Pacific, where we decided to look at, for example, looking at offshoring. But also looking at digitalizing some of our HR processes, the journey started then with systems which were some of them were global, some of them were we. And I can say that after 12 years, we have managed to do at least 60% of our HR processes are digit. We still have a lot to do, so the process and the journey is still continuing. But most of the things are related to onboarding, related to how we manage our compensation review, for example the succession planning, the training, learning management system, all those things were put in place from 2010 onwards. And as I said, we still have a lot to do. But 60%, I would say, has happened in terms of digitalization of the various manual processes.
1: Like I said, 60% is actually a lot for a very big organization like Gen. And we also have to bear in mind that it was COVID-19 for the last two years. Especially when you're in Hong thing. Kong, there's so many things going on. So, I, first of all, I think along the way, I'm also interested to know like, in the course of doing that digital Transformation, that 60%, how um, were the things that you personally learned as a person or as a HR leader that you would have wished you would have known earlier?
2: The things we all learned from our experiences, for us also, it was trial and we made mistakes. One of the things that I learned was that there is no substitute for, or there's no, there are no shortcuts in life. Huh? If you want to do digital transformation, you have to spend time in making sure that you first document what you have clearly and what is it that you want as a real name. Then you need to have people who are committed to doing that as well as are proficient in it. So training and development for HR staff whenever we are making any changes, I think it's extremely important. And this is one thing which I learned that before we actually go on to any big change that we are doing or implementing a new thing, you need to really train the staff who are involved in implementing it. They have to understand why they are doing certain things. What is the indication if little things go haywire? It can have a very big impact. So for me, I think that is the most important thing that you have to really prepare. Preparation is key. And after that, you can make sure that the things are going in the right direction. So that, I think, for me, is one of the most important things. The other thing is really looking at what's going on in the market, keeping an open mind as a HR leader on what are the various initiatives which other companies are doing or what is coming out in the market. Is there something which suits us, does it suit us? So that a suitability assessment is quite important. And I don't think we can delegate it that much. As a HR leader, we do need to be involved whenever we are looking at some major initiatives that has to be done. It requires a lot of efforts in terms of investing time and energy in meeting new people understanding what is going on in the market, trying to see whether it will work or not. So for me, it's like, a, it's like an innovative mindset that we need to have as HR leaders if we want to really transform the way we work, not only digital transformation, but also it's a mindset transformation.
1: Like I said, Having a mindset transformation, can you advise us like how can HR leaders steal the innovative or innovation mindset for its...
2: For me, this is leading by example. If I'm an HR leader and I do want to have my team think of innovative ways, I have to walk the talk. So that means I have to attend meetings, try to see if things work or not, try to bring them, use it myself. For example, if it's a new technology for learning, for example, use it myself, give my feedback. If I'm not doing it, why will other people be inspired in the team? So I think that's the first thing, which is walking the talk and really adopting the thing myself first before it, it goes down to people. The second is really supporting people, giving them some time to experiment and re- supporting failures. If something doesn't work, it's okay. We can always try. I think trial is necessary. So, that kind of psychological safety is very important for the team to know that they try something, even if it fails, it is fine. There is somebody to back me up. And I think that is very important. And if that kind of security is there, that kind of conducive environment is there, employees would look at things. The other thing is sometimes we have to also guide people into doing these things. So, attending seminars, attending demos, trying to look at new things, doing a pilot for, new things, all this has to be done so that it becomes a way of life. And you can't, of course, force people to become innovative, but what you can do is create an environment where people feel that it's safe to experiment and try new things.
1: Yes, I totally love the that you mentioned about by walking the talk, trying out the new ideas or experiment, the technology to be on it. The most important thing, like I said, to create an environment where people feel safe to experiment. Now, having said that about this, providing a psychological safety net for people to actually experiment, what are the uh, concrete tips or actual steps that you think that HR managers or HR players can actually take? Because it's often easier said than done, whereby I people, give you a good example. When I was in a, a very big corporate environment, the top management always says that where it's just do any new ideas as long as it's in the uh, regulatory boundary, whether it's in a bank or it's in an airline or mm-hmm. whether it's in a consulting firm. However, when I start doing some of these things and start to show to the top guys, hey, this idea, I've tried it. Mm-hmm. It seems to get some traction using cost or reducing risk. I mean, somehow or another, the... Andrew, why are you wasting time on that? Go back to your, what they call it, the business as usual, BAU activities. Go and grind out. What's your view on that?
2: My view is that as decision maker, if the leaders are decision makers, they should be open to new things, whether you're doing it on a small scale as a pilot, but at least we should try. And if one of my employees comes to me and tells me, oh, I have this new idea, should we try to do it? I would be very willing, frankly. Of course, as you said, we have to see the feasibility and it it meets some requirements, etc. I will be that one of my employees coming up with new ideas and and for implementation. I think leaders should be open-minded about it. We have to come out of our ways of the way things are being done here. This too, how can we make it better? Or if there is something new, can we really do it? If we can't do it on a large scale because there's a lot of uh, things involved, money involved, effort involved, can we try it on a small sample and see? It will also encourage the employee. And it will, and, and in this process, we might also get something which is new. I am very much in favor of trial and error. And of course, on a, in the beginning, on a smaller scale so that we can try and we can see whether we can scale it up further. But for me, I would definitely encourage the employees. And especially if people are coming on their own with ideas, that's, it's like a dream come true.
1: That's brilliant. Like, I'm uh, shooting after this podcast. A lot of people will start calling you out and saying, I want to join subject because I'm a fan. Ah, yeah. So coming back to the next interesting question. As you mentioned, you were doing the course of digital transformation. Show with us the the, the start. One. What were the, the challenges of uh, digital transformation? Do like, you need to have management buy-in? What was the story to entice your ball to or take risks or to jump in?
0: Anything.
1: Anyway. It has to be
2: a business case, frankly. Any digital transformation is not just for the sake of it. It has to, of course, show uh, whether how much we are going to be saving because of that. And it's it's short term, but not also longer term. How much are we going to save for the bank or for the company by digitalizing a certain process? So I think that is is quite important, the business case for me. Because without that, of course, uh, we need to have the buy-in for the top management for that because digitalization takes investment yep yeah? and if it is not giving us the returns there's no point in doing it so for me yes before any digital transformation there has to be full feasibility analysis in terms of whether it's going to what return is it going to give us yeah what are we trying to save is it the turnaround time is it the cost is it something else it has to be very clear before we even get into it because once you get into it which is an invest costly proposition there could be teething troubles which are going to be there. And in the beginning, you might think, in the first one or two years, oh my God, why did we do it? It's better that we were doing it in the manual way, which was much more efficient than this. But you see the returns later on. So you have to be very clear that you do you have that kind of a patience to see it going through and you see the results after the gestation period? It could be six months, nine months, 12 months, or basically two years. So for me, Long-term commitment is very important for any digital transformation. Clear understanding of why we are doing what we are doing, uh, the investment that we are going to put into. And having the right set of people, even after digital transformation, to make sure that it is continuing well is extremely important. Because if you do not have that right set of people with the right skills, it can fall flat. So it's not like you do it once and then everything goes on automated. And it doesn't work like that. You still need to have oversight. You still need to have people who can maintain what it is. But it does work in majority of the cases. It does work.
1: I'm so happy that you mentioned that it, you, some of your, uh, most of your uh, transformation
0: works. Like you said, it's also about having the same group of right people to going in it. We hope you enjoyed our captivating conversation with Mukhtar Anya, the season HR leader, in part one of today's podcast episode. Mark to share her inspiring career journey, expertise in digital transformation, and the importance of creating an innovative mindset within organizations. Now, as we transition into part two of our enlightening discussion with Mark, Tert, get ready to explore the challenges and successes of implementing digital initiatives. We'll delve into the importance of systematic planning, long term vision, and skilled teams to sustain digital transformations. Lakta will share valuable insights on navigating crisis management and supporting employee well-being during the COVID-19 pandemic. But that's not all. We will also explore the concept of flexibility in the workplace and the balance between remote work and on-site presence. Lakta's wealth of knowledge and experience will empower you to drive successful digital transformations in your organization and foster resilience in the ever-changing business landscape. So don't miss out on part two of this thought-provoking podcast episode featuring Dr. Anya. Prepare to gain valuable insights on digital transformation and resilience in the workplace as we continue our exploration of the dynamic world of HR. Stay tuned for another enlightening conversation. Hi guys, thanks for listening to this podcast. If this is the first time you are tuning in, remember to subscribe to this show. If you have subscribed to this show and love this episode, please share with your friends family and acquaintances see you later and see you soon